Hello and welcome to Battle Ready with Missy Armstrong. We are going to prepare ourselves for battle by learning about the characters in the Bible, learning about their victories and their defeats. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcast. first time listening we're glad to have you here and we are studying Moses if you've been here before so happy to have you back so we're almost at one of the most iconic kind of portions of Moses's life and that is the Ten Commandments and so at this point the Israelites are out of Egypt, they complain, God saves them, they complain, God saves them. It's just this constant, like, almost disrespect, but just, just not, not seeing the glory of God, not seeing the power of God. And, uh, so, we're gonna start today in Exodus chapter 19 and then we will continue on and we will visit uh, chapter 20 and we might make it a little further than that but I'm not positive we'll see what time allows so we're gonna start in chapter 19 verse 1 on the first day of the third month After the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. When Moses went up to God, the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob. And what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have been seen. What I did. You yourselves have seen. What I did in Egypt. And how I carried. You on eagles wings. And brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully. And keep my covenant. Then out of all the nations. You will. You will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. There, These are the words you speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned all the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord says. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking and you are speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. 
And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready on the third day, because that day the Lord will come down to Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not touch the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain and the people to the people, he consecrated them. They washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. In the morning of the third day, there will be thunder and lightning with the thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered in smoke because the Lord descended on it in a fire. The smoke bellowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people, so they do so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perished. Then even the priests who approached the Lord must consecrate themselves, for the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you yourself warned us, put limits on the mountain, and set it apart as holy. And the Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down and the people and told them. Chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself any image in the form of anything in heaven, in heaven above, or on earth beneath, or in waters below. You shall not bow down to worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generations for those who hate me, but showing love to the thousand of generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the Lord, the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guilty guiltyless 
than he who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you should have to labor and do work, but on the seventh day the Lord your God I give the seventh day the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, neither you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your edibles, though foreigners residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor covet your neighbor's wife, nor or his male or female servants, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the, the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. And the people remained in a distance, and Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Okay, so... They, uh... Moses has come out of course, they've come out of Egypt. They're traveling through. They come to Mount Sinai or the Sinai's, de Sinai's desert, desert of Sinai. And they, God tells them, I'm, I'm going to talk to you and all the people. And I'm going to come down onto the mountain and do this. And Moses is like, okay, you know. And he tells them, consecrate everybody. Clean everybody clean their clothes get them ready abstain for sex and all of this before God appears right so there you have the entire nation of Israel which we know is a massive amount of people and they're ready they're going to consecrate themselves and God is going to speak to them. And then there comes uh, oh, excuse me. So God comes out onto the mountain. They've set up barriers. God says don't touch it or we're going to kill you. <laughs> right? Um, and not even like he's going to make sure that they die in a way <coughs> no one touches them, right? So they're going to be shot with arrows or stones so that 
nobody touches them because they have touched the mountain. But, so Moses does this. He sits up, he tells everybody this is what's going to happen on the third day. And then the Lord starts speaking. And there is this cloud of smoke, there is this large trumpet sound, and they all go to the mountain, and Moses is there, the people of Israel is there, and God starts speaking, and there's lightning, and the ground trembles, and the mountain trembles, and God gives them the Ten Commandments there, and the people are, like, terrified. They are so scared. They don't want to hear directly from God because they are scared it's going to kill them. The sheer magnitude of the power in God's voice is going to kill them is what they think. Like they they feel like I'm going to die. Right? So... They ask Moses to speak to God, and then they will listen and do what Moses says because they're scared. And this is part of what God wanted. He wanted them to fear him, to realize the amount of power inside just his voice. And fear of God is an important an important quality to all Christians like it is not a fear a fear that is paralyzing or a fear that is like even it's a respect type of fear it's an honor type of fear you recognize this as you recognize the God as the creator of everything and has power over everything you have a bit of fear a bit of respect right like when you think of the vastness of God the power of God the abilities of God it should strike the slightest bit of fear in your heart like it it should give you not a paralyzing, I'm afraid of what's going to happen, but a respect of what you see in the Lord. And then God gives them the Ten Commandments, which a lot of us at least have heard about. Uh, in our time I say a lot there may be some that have not and that's okay if you're a new Christian or you're you've just never uh, you've never studied the Ten Commandments that's okay it's one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when preachers say we all know this or you all know the story of David you all know the story of Joshua. You all know who, whatever he is. Uh, and this, this is what kills me and why it makes me upset is that 
I taught some, I taught for about eight years a new believers class, not a conversion class. It was a, it was a class after somebody had become an, a believer, like uh, after they were saved. Me and my husband would teach this class, and they, we would teach them about the basics, giving them a good foundation of how to study the Bible, how to pray, like when to pray, how to set up a quiet time, um, what it means to give and serve, and like various things like that that we taught new believers, and. This was, I first, I started out the very first lesson, the very first year, and I was talking, there was something I was discussing, and I said, we all know the story of David. Now, this was a smaller group than you normally have in church, or you, it was a group of about 10 people, maybe, and there, one girl was like, no, I don't know who David is, and then I realized, like, I had to, I had to, uh, you know, allocate time in each lesson to tell some of these older stories, to tell some of these Old Testament stories, or to explain who a person was, um, and I would start asking, do you know who Saul is? Do you know who Paul is? Do you know who Matthew is? Uh, various things like that because the majority of them did not and I've talked to some older adults that had gotten saved in their adult life and did not was not raised in church was not raised in Sunday school and they said it, it embarrassed them like they'd be sitting in church and the preachers say well you all know who David is, and then continue on with the story. When they didn't know who David was. And so they're sitting there in the message, and instead of listening to what the preacher is saying, they're thinking to themselves about how inadequate they are, or how they haven't studied, or they didn't know. And, and I hear it a lot. And a lot of preachers, and I have drilled it into my son's head not to do this, to never assume that somebody knows a story, because they may not. And so when I am speaking in front of people, if I'm talking about a character from the Bible, I will give a brief story of that person. Not only does it tell the people that don't know who that person is, who he is, or who she is, but it also tells the people that are there that have heard the story, but maybe don't remember all of it. That is the way that, you know, it it renews it in their mind. And so if you're a preacher and you're listening to this, please take him, you know, please take this into your head. And think about just because you think somebody knows, don't assume that they do.
you may not know every person in your in your excuse me congregation or you may know every single one of them and you may be like they're all saved and they're all this that's great it still doesn't mean they know the stories so please please just keep this in your mind if you are referring to someone as a person in the bible don't just assume everybody in the room knows who they are because it can it can like alienate some people and you know you never know what's what's keeping their mind off of your message it's just a way for Satan to get in there and keep their mind further away from hearing what you have to say hearing what the Holy Spirit has for them so just don't assume that somebody is that somebody knows what the Ten Commandments are or that somebody knows who Moses is because they may not uh, more in in those eight years that we did teach the new believers class at the church we were attending more times than not more times than not did the people not know who what some of people that have been saved for a long time or attended church and Sunday school the characters that we think that everybody knows about more times than not was there at least one or more and most of the time there was more people in the room that had no idea who they were and Paul was one that like all of the eight years I taught it all of the every single let every single time when we first started mentioning Paul and I asked do anybody know who Paul is there was at least half or more of the people in the room that did not know who Paul was. So don't take it for granted. Sorry I went off on that tangent, but I just, I felt it in my heart that that needed to be said. Okay? So don't ever assume that somebody knows something because they probably don't. Okay? I always tell my son, because he's extremely smart, to to keep it simple like if he mentions something he mentions a person that he may know very well please tell the other people you know as never or just assume that there's somebody in the room that doesn't know who that person is and that's 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 just my own personal pet peeve after talking to people and teaching people and realizing that you have to you have to accommodate those people that did not was not raised in church and and did not doesn't do excuse me I can't speak does not know the Bible as good as you they may not know who all the characters are they may not know who all the people are and that's just that's just me on a soapbox, I guess, for the time being. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the Lord just put that on my heart. I just spoke it. So, all right. So, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. So, the Lord starts speaking. 
God starts speaking to these people. And he gives them the first one. Love the Lord your God. Or I'm the Lord your God. Brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery. You should have no other gods before me. This is a tough one. Right? And how I explain it to children and teenagers is anything in your life that keeps you from studying the Bible, that keeps you from praying, that keeps you from having a relationship with God or building your relationship with God, that keeps you away from church or whatever, that has become an idol. That idol is between you and God, and it, you are putting that thing before God. With teenagers, it, a lot of times it's sleep. Sleep and video games. Uh, but they want to sleep late on Sundays. They want to play their video games late into the night on Saturday night, whatever. Um, you know... Having an idol, it doesn't mean you have to physically have an idol. Like, you don't have to have a golden calf or a Buddha sitting in your middle of your room. It could be the TV on the wall. Right? Is it keeping you from Bible study? Is it keeping you from having a relationship with God or praying your fullest it can be your family and this is hard hard to handle are you putting your family in front of God and sometimes you have to step back and be like you know maybe I am maybe I need to reevaluate my priority God should always be at the top of your priority. Always. And then everything else falls underneath that. So, just don't be drawn in by other things so much so that you are hindering your relationship with God. You're not doing your quiet time. You're not studying. You're not witnessing to others. You're just caught up in this other idol don't have other gods before before me right don't put anybody else before God and you should not make yourself a graven image of anything in heaven above or on earth in the waters below you should not bow down and worship them so I because he's a jealous God and he's gonna, he'll punish the children of those who hate him for five to ten generations. But he's going to bless those who show him love for thousands of generations. And the ones that keep his commandments. So I kind of put talked about the having no other gods and having no image. No graven image, no idol. Uh, I kind of talked about that together a while ago, just a second ago. So, we'll move on to another one, which, if anybody knows me, uh, you know I've kind of went off on this several times. Uh, <laughs> but, 
you should not misuse the Lord, the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltyless who misuses his name. Here's the deal. I was raised, and I'm sure most of most of you, the rest of you were raised as well, that cussing is bad. Don't use the God's name in vain as curse words. Uh, and yes, curse words are vulgar and bad. But I've heard people who would not say a curse word or even ass as refers to a donkey. They wouldn't do that. But then they will, and Lord, please forgive me for this, but they will say, OMG, or oh my God, all of the time. I had this one preacher's wife who, in one conversation, less than five minutes, said it at least three times, and I had to stop her and say, please don't do that. She saw nothing wrong with it. How is actually using the name of God in a derogatory manner not misusing the name? Right? Oh, you you won't say, you won't call a donkey an ass, but you will misuse God's name all day long and feel no guilt. Actually, misusing the name not cursing but misusing the name and like me and my husband we we say oh gg or oh good grief like instead of that just just that's that's what we do oh good grief and It's, to me, I'm very offended by this whole culture of people and Christians who will throw around those three letters, OMG, like it's nothing and have no conscience about what it represents, or even saying the words and having no conscience about using God's name in vain. God is holy, powerful, fierce, and loving. And you should have enough respect to think twice and maybe choose your words differently. When I was young, you didn't, of course, OMG was not as huge then, but you just didn't say those words. Like, if you said that, like you were mad and you said that, Oh, my hind end would be tore up. Somebody would have whooped mom. 
you know? And I would know it was wrong. Because you should fear God. You should fear Him with an honor. And look at Him and be just amazed at this powerful, loyal, loving God that sees fit take care of you. So please, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And if you are in my presence, don't don't use those three letters, please. And don't say it either. <laughs> I. It just hurts me. You should have more respect than that. So, the next one is another one that is very hard for people that actually work in the church that not even work with a job, but, you know, as a ministry or, you know, that have positions, I say, not jobs, but positions in the church. And that is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it shall not you shall not do any work, neither you, your sons, your daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor your foreigners living in the land. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I'm talking to you workers out there in the church, the Sunday school teachers, the youth directors, the children's church teachers, the preachers, the deacons, the secretaries, the treasurers. The busiest day of my week, every week, is Sunday. Every week is Sunday. I have to do more on Sunday than any other day of the week. And I feel guilty a lot of times because we're out there working our tail off on Sunday. We are not keeping it holy. We are not resting. And I can tell you from experience, going too long, working too hard, doing too much is going to wear you down. It's going to weaken you spiritually and physically. And then what? If you're weak, how are you going to be able to teach that Sunday school class, to teach the children's church, to do whatever you have to do? If you're weak, how do you do it? The Sabbath day we celebrate on Sunday. For some reason, we tend to forget to keep it holy. We tend to forget we are supposed to rest. God rest. If you're a preacher, if you're a Sunday school teacher, children's church, youth, 
or a combination of all of those things or any other position in the church, if you are busy seven days a week because you also have another job or whatever, and you don't take a day of rest, you will burn out sooner or later. Your body needs to recuperate. If God needed a day of rest, you are no better than him. Take a day off and rest. Every week. And it may not need to be, you may not be able to do Sunday. Because some of us do, for example, me and Daniel teach children's church. We can't really rest while trying to flop around and keep the kids entertained. You know? But we can rest our minds. We can plan ahead. We could have everything ready to go on Sunday. So when we get there, there's not a lot of work. And it's more a teaching and not, not really work, work. But seriously, I'm looking at you preachers. If you're working constantly and you're going to visit people and your people are coming to you for counseling, people are coming to you to talk about their problems, you're getting 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever phone calls a day from people and you do not take a day of rest, you will burn out. So take a day, turn your phone off or Tell everybody in the church, if there's an emergency on this day, call Deacon so-and-so, or call my wife, or call whatever, and I'm sure that there is several deacons in most churches with deacons that would definitely be like, yeah, tell them to call me, I'll talk to them that day, because they want to take care of their preacher, they want to make sure he's okay, so Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. And remember to rest. If you have to. I know this is a novel idea. Turn your phone off. Yesterday I left. A pretty mid-morning or so. To go do some things with my mom and my son. And get his hair cut. And run to the church. And go eat and all of these things and we were doing stuff and I didn't get home till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. When I walked into the house at 2 o'clock in the afternoon I looked over and my phone was sitting on the table next to the door. I left it. I didn't even know it was missing. I didn't even realize it wasn't in my purse. I had a wonderful time. Yeah, I had some messages. But it was fine. So maybe turn your phone off. And just allow someone else to deal with the problems. And if it's that day, change your message on your voicemail. It says, hey, if it's an emergency, you need to talk to somebody, call Deacon Dan at da 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 Right? Give them another option. But take care of yourself and don't burn yourself out. Sorry, went off on another tangent, but it's extremely important.
to me. Don't burn yourself out. Don't wear yourself so ragged that you're miserable. Because God loves a cheerful giver, even a giver of your time. Don't begrudgingly give your time to God because you're so worn out. Get some rest, get renewed, and then come back at it. All right. So, next is honor your father and mother. This is the only, the only one that has any kind of promise. The only of the Ten Commandments that has any promise. And it says that your days on the earth will be long. Days will be added when you honor your father and mother. Now, a lot of people think, I turned 18. I'm an adult. I don't have to do that anymore. Bull malarkey. Your father and your mother are your father and mother till you die. Till they die. Now, are you to honor your father and mother when they ask you to or force you, whatever, to commit a sin or talking about abuse, anything like that? No. That is where it stops. Do not. But it is also on them. They are the adults. It is on them. The majority of Christian parents, and I say majority because Satan has made his way into so many people's lives, it's slightly ridiculous and very upsetting. But Christian parents, that are trying to raise you right, Christian parents that are not abusive, Christian parents who only wish to see the best for you. Honor them. Right? You can stand up for yourself at times when you feel like you need to be stood up for or whatever, but have respect and honor towards your mother and father. They sacrificed. They did a lot for you to be where you are today. So keep that in mind. Next, pretty obvious. Shall not murder. Don't do it. You shall not commit adultery. You know, keep your eyes on your wife or your husband. Not somebody else's. Don't steal. Pretty obvious. Don't steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. False testimony means lying and your neighbor is everyone. So don't lie. Basically. Shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor your neighbor's wife, nor your neighbor's male, female, servant, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now you can look at something and be like that's nice you know it'd be nice to have that or maybe work towards something but to covet means that you want it so much you'd be willing to steal it basically you want that thing not a thing of your own that is similar to that thing right you don't want your own donkey that you can get. You want their donkey. That's what covet is. 
And God is telling these people this. These are the these are what you should do. And the people below were so scared. They didn't want to hear God's voice because they thought they were going to die. And so Moses went up and, you know, he told the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of the Lord, the fear of God will be with you. And keep you from sinning. Right, this is what I was talking about before. Fear. The fear. It's not a fear of like a terrifying thing or terror kind of fear. It is a, the fear of God is a respect kind of fear. A reverence kind of fear. Piety. Is a word that comes to mind or revered. Okay, so it's not being scared of something like you're scared of a horror movie. It's being scared of something that you have respect for. That you respectfully fear. We're going to start there today because I tended to ramble on for a little while. And... Uh, Anyway, uh, we will come back there next week. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember to do have a day of relaxation. Preachers, if you're out there, or teachers, don't assume that people know stories. Have a fear of God that is a respect of God. And always remember... To be kind to others and be kind to yourself. And smile. Because God loves you and so do I.